everybody. Welcome back to the Bold Sidebar. This is your host, Jeff Horn, talking all things New Jersey Supreme Court. A recording on June 24, 2022, and uh, I'm going to keep on my soapbox here for just a few minutes. The Supreme Court will be down to four justices as of July 7, 2022. That's when Justice Albin will turn 70. He came on the court in September of 2002. His tenure will be just shy of 20 years, and we will do a complete show on his contributions to the court, his many, many dissents, his, his just a brisk way of writing, as well as keen intellect, and of course, his departure, what Justice O'Hearn called constitutional senility, will come on uh, just July 7th. So we're down to very, very few days for Justice Alvin. And we've got an opinion here that will be coming up in the next show. It'll be a state V case where Justice Alvin wrote the uh, court's opinion. So he will be missed. And I will dig into that in some, some depth. Hopefully some of my colleagues and my many fine guests will give me some input and uh, we'll be able to somehow summarize 20 years of very vigorous writing, intellect, challenging, clearly challenging the other justices, challenging the entire system. And I'll dig into all of that. I'm not going to dig in half-heartedly that Justice Albin's career on the Supreme Court deserves a much greater expose than I would do in a quick show. The other spot where we're missing judges, and we can certainly use a ton of judges, is in the trial court. I primarily practice in Ocean. However, I do have a smattering of cases throughout the state. And what am I finding when I talk to staff colleagues in Mercer County? They're dreadfully backed up. I talk to folks in Morris County, way backed up shortage of judges. Of course, COVID disrupted everything and got the court somewhat backed up. But I have to say, all in all, we were humming along and uh, knocking out cases and getting things done. But at least in part, due to the backup on the criminal side, a lot of the resources need to be thrown to the criminal side so that people that are charged with crimes can have their case adjudicated, whether they're sitting in jail or out, but if they've been waiting for two and three years to have their day in court, to have their case adjudicated, their life is really on hold. So I believe the sort of underlying policy is a lot of the judges, staff, resources will be put to clearing out the substantial criminal backlog. So the solution is, of course, getting new judges lined up in the Superior Court getting them trained and getting their sea legs and getting all divisions operating on all cylinders. So it, it'll happen. I guess it's just a, a cry out to Trenton to make this a priority and get more trial court judges, get three Supreme Court justices in place and sort of get back to what I'll call is a regular fire hose of trial court work and the 70, 80 opinions that the New Jersey Supreme Court would crank out every year, the pre-COVID norm. It's doable, and I expect it will be done shortly. Thanks to the outstanding work of retired Judge Nelson Johnson, 
You know him from Boardwalk Empire. You know him from the Vanderbilt Hague book that he wrote, and I interviewed him a couple of times about it, and I've spoken extensively about this. Certainly, this is not what Chief Justice Vanderbilt envisioned when, through the 30s and 40s, reformers in the state of New Jersey efforted cleaning up the highly, highly fragmented court system that we had, getting a unified system in place. In theory, that would have made it easier to stock talent and concentrate talent in our unified state court system versus the old fragmented system, which don't forget, among folks on the New Jersey Supreme Court prior to the 47 Constitution could include lay personnel. One of our most famous justices or infamous justices was Frank Haig's son, who had never even completed law school. So anyway, soapbox to the side. I have two cases. Both have been previewed on the old sidebar, I believe with Bruce Greenberg. And they're both very interesting cases, civil cases, but both impact you know, life and they, they come back around to common themes. One common theme is and sort of everyone knows that in purchasing real estate, utilizing a New Jersey Realtor Association form contract, that the parties have a three-day attorney review clause. It is baked in. It is case law. It's part of a deal between the Bar Association and the Realtor Association to come up with a resolution that enables the good buyers and sellers of real property in New Jersey, residential this is, real property, to have a quick way to get into contract, but also not to be tricked into a bad contract. So the policy is to protect consumers from bad contracts. It's to clarify what realtors can do in preparing a form contract, the dispute that spans back 40 years, resolved by the New Jersey Bar Association versus New Jersey Realtor Board Association case, it bridges the gap and gets rid of claims by the bar that realtors were practicing law, the unauthorized practice of law by drafting contracts. Clearly, drafting contracts is part of what lawyers do. And to say that drafting a contract is not the practice of law was, was rather inconsistent. So instead, this resolution was created, and really it's kept people out of court way more than it's created litigation, except, and there's always an exception, as we have here in the Sullivan v. Max Span Real Estate and Auction Company. As I say, we have talked about this before. When I was in the appellate division. I found this a very fascinating topic, although it's not that complex. It's not that impactful on so many folks because how many people really buy real estate from auctions? I mean, there have been times where people are buying from auction left and right, certainly in times of high foreclosures. Tons of uh, property moves by way of sheriff's sales, which is an auction, of course, a government-conducted auction. But here, this is a private auction. And the the, uh, parties are Sullivan, 
who represents a trust, Max Spann, I believe it's Max Spann Jr. is the actual agent for the company, but a company that's been around forever, the opinion says over 50 years. To me, if you say Max Spann, we're talking auctions, and it's so well known. And the purchaser, Meng Ji Liu, L-I-U, who was a an experienced bidder at auctions, had purchased numerous properties over time, and the property was a residential property in Bernardsville. The auction is held. Lou bids $1.1 million for the property, the high bidder, and pays the $121,000 earnest money deposit, and then fails to complete the transaction. The property is sold by Maxpan at a second auction for $825,000. Now, you can imagine, no one is happy. Sullivan is unhappy. Lou is unhappy because Maxpan's contract says, if you don't close on the transaction, you lose your earnest money deposit. So, Lou initiates a lawsuit. There's a bench trial, essentially claiming that the contract Lou signed was defective in that it did not contain a three-day attorney review provision. The trial court did not buy it, found that the attorney review clause was inapplicable. The appellate division affirmed, but there was a dissent giving the plaintiff here, Lou, the opportunity to appeal as of right to the Supreme Court. The court was not having it. The court made it very clear that the attorney review process is protective of buyers and sellers, protective of perhaps the unsophisticated buyer and seller who negotiate between themselves and or with realtors to come up with the terms. Here in an auction, the contract, the rules of the game are established in advance. The bidder has those rules. The bidder approaches this business transaction with the rules in hand. Lou, in particular, had attended a number of real estate auctions and hence knew the rules. The contract specifically says that this is a binding contract. The attorney review period does not apply. A buyer without a lawyer runs special risks. Whether you retain a lawyer is up to you. So it's clearly on notice to hear all auction purchasers are clearly on notice. And certainly Lou was clearly on notice. And auction buyers are in a completely different position than buyers in a traditionally negotiated real estate transaction. They are not the normal consumer, per se. The seller is not in the same position. In a real estate transaction between a buyer and seller, there are many points of negotiation. The purchaser, pardon me, the seller, is always in a position to reject an offer. Here, the terms of the sale are set by the auction terms that the auction house and the seller set up. Is there a minimum? Is it an absolute auction? All of that is established. So it's a rather simple 
the most basic transaction. Here's what we're selling. Highest bidder wins. Pay your deposit. Close in time consistent with the agreement. You got the property. Done. There should be the opportunity for advantages to both parties. The purchaser certainly has no more competition. Once the high bid is established, the purchaser is not going to get scooped by another buyer coming along during the three-day attorney review window. The seller has finality, doesn't have to wait around for the right buyer with the right abilities to the financial abilities and, and otherwise ability to close. Presumably, when you come and you're plunking down a big chunk of money, $121,000 earnest money, you're serious and you're going to move forward and you're going to close. Another little curveball here is that Max Span is a licensed real estate agent and hence bound by the Supreme Court case I've mentioned a number of times, the State Bar Association case, and hence bound in, in that way to the attorney review period. Again, the court found that Max Ban did not engage in the unlawful practice of law. The policy, again, is to safeguard consumers, your regular old buyers and sellers. Here, the auction participants were specifically warned that the three-day right of rescission, or pardon me, three-day attorney review period did not apply and suggested you should get your own lawyer. Indeed, the opinion further explained that the title company involved with the Max Span auctions represents neither the buyer nor the seller. Again, a little different type of transaction than a normal buyer-seller negotiated deal. And finally, the court emphasized the distinction in conducting the auction versus a more traditional listing of real property, making clear that the essential features of an auction are different and distinct and that this type of transaction is chosen by the parties. A seller engages an auction house and the buyer shows up at the auction, understanding that there will be competition, but the competition will last only as long as the bidding goes on and then it will be over and the, the high bidder will be expected to perform. As usual, a well-crafted opinion by Justice Patterson unanimous decision justice albin did not participate the next case deals with the rescue doctrine lou in the max span case tried to rescue herself from the failure to perform on an auction on real estate here you have a much more serious and tragic story folks are neighbors along the Forked River, spelled Forked River, always pronounced Forked River, in Lacey in Ocean County. And the plaintiff, Samolik, S-A-M-O-L-Y-K, the case of Samolik v. Berth, B-E-R-T-H-E, Samolik sustains terrible injuries, including cognitive impairment when she heard a dog fall into the lagoon and hopped in to try and save the dog. 
her cognitive issues so impaired, her cognitive ability was so impaired that her husband had to file the suit in her name. So we've got a, a rather long history on rescue doctrine. If one person has put themselves in jeopardy, negligently put themselves in jeopardy, and another, the rescuer, comes along and uh, makes an effort to save the person who's in, in peril, the second person, the rescuer, is injured, the original person in peril is subject to a liability claim, the rescue doctrine. The question here is whether the rescue doctrine would apply to personal property. Here, it's a dog, and of course, we are a nation of dog lovers. We don't look at our dogs strictly as personal property. Uh, the court goes on to analogize other unique properties, such as family heirlooms, artwork, things of that nature. So in this case, the court has made clear that the dog is personal property for the purposes of the analysis. The court finds that the rescue doctrine applies and will continue to apply only to humans. The court looked to the restatement of torts and the uh, case from New York from 1921, some language that the doctrine has been held to provide a source of recovery to one who is injured while undertaking the rescue of another who has negligently placed himself in peril. Again, it's an individual who's placed themselves in peril and the, the rescuer's claim would run to that person. The rescue doctrine will not be applied to personal property. I guess one little fact out of the case that caught me and stayed with me was that the defendants say, we never asked for help. We never cried for help and that the dog was fortunately saved. So uh, not to be flip about this, clearly a, a tragedy for Ms. Samalik, but a clear statement regarding the law on uh, rescue doctrine. This is an opinion by appellate judge Fuentes, of course, who's been serving for several months as the senior appellate division judge on our short Supreme Court bench, otherwise unanimous opinion from the court. Okay, that's going to be it for today. I've got another batch of State V cases. That will be the next show. And I'm glad that the court has popped out a bunch of opinions. Of course, we're coming to the end of the term. As I say, I'm recording on June 24. Term ends in next week. So the court always produces a flurry of opinions. In, or I should say batches of opinions at times. Certainly the end of the term is one of those situations. And of course, losing Justice Albin. I'm sure the court has cranked out a ton of work and uh, done so eagerly knowing that the bench, I air, put that in air quotes, the Supreme Court bench will be down another important player. All right, check you next time on the Bold Sidebar. Thank you very much. Thank you.